You are listening to the sermon podcast of International Lutheran Church in Seoul, South Korea. I'm Pastor Chuck Hoffman. message will be a little bit different. It's not a traditional sermon. Um, I realize that uh, what we do in the worship service is not familiar to everyone. It's a little bit different, especially what's going on in the majority of churches uh, today. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. We worship with a certain form. Uh, We call this type of worship uh, liturgy. And uh, I thought I would give just a quick definition what that is. And I wrote this myself, so it's not really a technical definition. It just, uh, when I say liturgy, I think of worship which follows a set and ancient form or order. And uh, the thing with the liturgy that we use in the Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church and other churches like the Anglican Church Uh, The liturgy that we use, the form of worship, has been collected over 20 centuries. So something will get added, and then they'll kind of think about that for two or three hundred years, and then maybe they'll keep it, or maybe they'll get rid of it. And uh, so something gets added, then maybe they change it or tweak it, and this happens over centuries. It's a very slow process. And so I wanted to go over a few of the the elements, and this is kind of the collected wisdom, by the way, of 20 centuries of Christians. Uh, they, they, they kind of sit together and, and they think, uh, what is helpful? What, what truths need to be repeated in a regular worship service? So uh, there's a few elements that we do every week, or nearly every week. I wanted to kind of explain a couple of those to you. Uh, on page 8 in your bulletin, you'll see the Sanctus. The Sanctus, this is something that we sing always uh, right before we hear the words of the Lord, the words of the institution, uh, uh, the bread and the wine are consecrated. So Sanctus is a Latin word. It means holy. It's very simple. And uh, so, for example, we have English words like sanctity or sanctification. Uh, Of course, those are based on the Latin word for holy, holiness. It is from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. Here is that verse. Uh, Isaiah is given this vision of the throne room of God, and he sees the cherubim, these angelic creatures. They are, one is calling to the other one, and it is saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. Now, an interesting thing there. Why is this such a big deal? Why is this phrase so important? Well, uh, Hebrew, to emphasize something, will repeat the word, and uh, especially adjectives. So instead of saying the green grass or the grass was very green, Hebrew would say the green, green grass. And uh, only one place in all of Scripture, I believe, Only one place in all of Scripture is an adjective repeated three times for emphasis. This is kind of an outrageous amount of holiness that it is ascribing 
to the Lord. Holy, 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 repeated three times. Now, this has been in use in the liturgy and the worship service since around 350 AD. And it, that's just from where they can trace it. It probably goes back much further uh, than that. The second thing I wanted to talk about is the Agnes Day, which is on page 10 of your bulletin for this morning. Agnes Day is also a Latin word. The way that these, uh, these are called canticles, by the way. Canticles are songs that are based on a piece of scripture, scripture reading. And uh, these canticles are all named by their Latin names because uh, the church worshipped in Latin for almost 2,000 years. The Catholic Church, it wasn't until the 1960s where they decided to get away from the Latin in their worship. So these Latin words are just the first word of the song. Uh, if you begin singing the song, you always began with that word. So sanctus is the first word in that piece. And Agnes Day is the first word. It means Lamb of God. It is based on John chapter 1, uh, 29. Here's that verse. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And uh, this piece is actually a little bit more young, if you want to call 1,300 years young. Uh, but uh, it has been in use in the liturgy since the year 700 or so. Interesting little fact about uh, Agnes Day, Lamb of God. They think that maybe it was inserted into the liturgy in, in a protest. There was a new canon law in the church that said that you cannot depict Jesus as a lamb. In artwork, they, uh, for some reason, they decided that that was wrong or inappropriate. And so uh, someone inserted this into the liturgy in protest of that law, saying, do not depict Jesus as a lamb. And by the way, we repeat it three times. Uh, that wasn't original. That came two or three hundred years later that we repeat it three times. Okay. Now, finally, the Nunc Dimittis, which has a lot of uh, uh, importance for us on this day because our gospel reading was this scene of Simeon. Uh, we sing this usually after we are dismissed from the Lord's table. So we receive communion up here, and, uh, and then I, everyone is back in their seats, and I give a general dismissal. I say, I give a blessing that, the, that his body and his blood would strengthen you and preserve you unto life everlasting. And then there's a response from the congregation. And it's usually this, although we have other songs as well, but we usually sing this nunc dimittis. The nunc dimittis is Latin. Again, it's two words. It means now dismiss or now depart. Uh, that's how the song begins in Latin. This is, of course, the Song of Simeon that you have in your gospel reading this morning, where he says, uh, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Uh, it has been in use in the liturgy since the 300s. So again, it's been in use for a very long time in Christian worship. And often it has been used during services that take place in the evening hours. So um, uh, these are services called Vespers, 
or comp line. Comp line happens late at night, uh, just before midnight or 10 o'clock or so. And it seems appropriate to kind of say, Lord, uh, I'm departing in peace. <laughs> I'm going to bed. And uh, you have uh, fulfilled your promises to me on this day. Uh, now, there are some very good reasons that we sing this when we do sing it. It's not just kind of random or it's not just for fun that we sing it when we do. When we sing this, we are joining ourselves together with 17 centuries of Christians who also sang these same words during their worship services. And when we sing it, we are also echoing the words of Scripture. And when we sing it, we are joining together with Simeon. We are joining together in that same moment of seeing this 40-day-old baby, this child, and uh, being present there together with him as Jesus is being redeemed at the temple in Jerusalem. And actually, it's a very interesting song. Uh, these are very interesting words spoken by this uh, old man, Simeon. He was essentially uh, thanking God for a gift. He's kind of saying, uh, I have seen this salvation of God. I've laid my own eyes on this child Jesus. And so now you are letting me go in peace. He kind of says, I can rest in peace. He's saying, I can die now. Uh, I can die knowing that I have at least glimpsed this salvation of the whole world. And it's amazing that he's so happy because uh, it's not yet accomplished. Even though Jesus was there in front of him, Jesus still needed to grow up. He still needed to preach and teach. He still needed to die and rise again. And that was all decades into the future. But Simeon said he could depart in peace because this was enough for him. It was enough that he would just glimpse this salvation right now. Enough that he would hold it in his arms. Simeon laid eyes on God's salvation, God's plan for forgiveness, even though he would not be alive to see this thing accomplished, to see it carried out. And I think this is our connection with the Lord's Supper, too. Uh, this is kind of how we receive the Lord's Supper. We, we believe that we are receiving the Lord himself. We believe that we are holding him in our very hands. That Christ is there in, on, and under the bread and the wine. We, we are not first-hand witnesses to Jesus' death and resurrection. We weren't there for that. Uh, we did not get to see it with our own eyes. And we also may not be alive when Christ returns in his glory and when he sets all things right. But we are receiving this salvation. We are partakers. We are participants together. Uh, when we approach his altar, when we receive the body that was broken for us, when we receive the blood that was shed, poured out for us. And this is why we can sing our thanks together with Simeon. This is why we can say we, we depart in peace. We can say together with Simeon, I have seen the salvation 
I have seen the light for all Gentiles, for all nations, the glory of Israel. So one nice thing about uh, liturgy is it's just packed full of scripture. Almost everything we do in the worship service is taken out of scripture. Uh, It's a direct quote most of the time. And most of the other stuff that's not a direct quote, it's, it's taken from the Bible. It's a summary of a gospel promise, something that's based on scripture. The more we sing these truths, the more we speak these truths, the more they work their way down deeply into our hearts. Often we can't remember something we've read, but we can remember something that we've heard in a song. Uh, a song has a way of uh, working much more deeply. We remember words to songs that we haven't heard for 10 or 20 years. And what can be better than standing together with Isaiah and listening together with him and hearing these angels declare, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Or what can be better than, than standing with John the Baptist on the, the bank of the Jordan River and pointing together with him and saying, Behold, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Or what can be better than to stand with Simeon and hold the Lord in our own hands and sing together with him, You are letting me depart in peace, for my eyes have seen the salvation you have prepared for all people. So this is what we are talking about when we talk about the communion of saints. It is our connection with the whole body of Christ and it transcends time and generation and geography. We receive these promises together as one people of God and we give thanks and we respond to these promises Uh, fulfilled together also as one people of God. Let's pray. Lord Father, we are moved by these words from Simeon, and we echo them just as the Christian church has echoed them through all of these many centuries. Lord, we say you have fulfilled your word. We are departing in peace because of all the promises you have kept. We have seen this salvation that you have laid out before us. Lord, I pray that we would be strengthened and emboldened uh, from the Lord's Supper, each service, uh, that we would go forth not just in peace, but also in confidence of your love and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.